is What Shall We Do About with Sam Robinson. Welcome to What Shall We Do About, the show where we try to improve some of the world's less pressing problems. Today, we're going courtside to talk live sport, cramming into grandstands, forking out a premium price for food and lining up for the toilets with the rest of the crowd at halftime. As enjoyable as it can be to cheer on your favourite sporting team or player, it does come at a cost. And in this day and age of fantastic and often free sports coverage on telly, what shall we do about live sport? Joining me to discuss is Australian professional basketball player Kayla George, who plays for the Melbourne Boomers and has also played recently for the Dallas Wings in the WNBA. Kayla George, uh, thank you for joining me. We're over Skype today. Sadly, uh, you're in Melbourne, I'm in Sydney. Yes, no, it's still lovely to have a chat though over the old uh, technology. It's great that it's uh, advanced so much these past few years. I know, I know. Uh, Let's talk sport. Live sport is the problem we're trying to improve today, but let's start with you. Have you always been into sport? Like, were you a sporty kid growing up? I certainly was. I actually started out playing a bit of skirt balls. So for those playing at home, that's netball um, before I played basketball. So um, I, if I wasn't doing netball or basketball, I did a bit of uh, softball. I was a swimmer for a little bit. I think I did a bit of cricket with the Milo cricket team. Like I just, I was very active. But you didn't settle on netball or skirt ball as you call it. <laughs> <laughs> because you are a basketballer now, professional basketballer for Australia played on a whole bunch of different teams. What made you choose basketball over netball? I think, um, well, back in the day, uh, my mum being a single parent and I had an older sister as well and we both wanted to just do everything and be a part of everything and financially it was a lot for mum and also, you know, just to take us to all of the teams and trainings, it was a lot for mum too. And um, so after a couple of years of mum just absolutely being stretched to her limit, she asked us to choose like, you know, netball or basketball. And my sister chose netball and I chose basketball for a period of time. And um, I went back to netball a few years later, but um, when my sister got her license, but um, yeah, I, when I was about 12, I, um, yeah, chose basketball. And I really liked the contact factor and not that there's not contact in netball, but I also really liked um, how I could go all over the court and I could dribble the ball. And I didn't mind the old backboard either. So I think just, you know, there was a few contributing factors, but ultimately I'm glad I chose what I did because, you know, I've been able to have such a blessed career. You have had a huge career. You also can't dunk in netball. I think that's an, that's an oversight. Huge, huge. Yeah, no, you cannot. So <laughs> that was probably the main reason actually that I, I went to basketball because I just slam it almost every game. So it's it's it needs to happen. Is do you, now I don't know much about basketball, right? I know you're a centre. Do you get? Well, to... I like to say forward centre because centre limits me to just being a post player. But I'm a forward oh. centre because I like to shoot trizzies, which is three pointers. Okay, so, so you like do to get shoot to shoot trizzies. as a centre, right? Yes. Good. Okay, but do you get? You don't get to dunk. Well, I can if I want to, but I've never. Um, or I've had. There's been two opportunities in my career where I could have on a fast break layup, but as females. Oh, for me, like growing up, we don't really practice dunking and I guess we don't get practice getting dumped on. So it's always a bit scary on the landing and if someone's underneath you. And so I just go for the old layup, you know. It's a bit hard when someone's chasing you down. You don't know how they're going to, where they're going to be. And it's just like, Ugh. so I just, I've never really, the two times that I've had the opportunity to, to try, I call my dunks a fairy dunk because I kind of just like, I grab the ring and, and do a layup. Like, it's not super smooth, but like I said, I don't practice them all the time. And now that I'm getting older, uh, I just like to, you know, keep my body 
uh, in a in a position where I'm, I'm not putting it in harm's way. So I've got to be super warmed up and really energetic on a day if I'm going to be trying to dunk it at training, you know. So is that actually a genuine difference between men and women's basketball is that men are more likely to dunk than women? Um, well, they say that men play above the ring and women play below. But to be quite honest, some of the young girls coming through, um, there's a lot of females that are able to dunk. And I think it's being showcased more and more. Um, and I don't like that that's been a limitation on us. Um, it's just how it's been. But I feel like yeah, it's definitely improving. There's Especially in America, like in the college system, even girls in high school, six foot one girls are dunking it. I played with a girl... Um, Brittany Griner in Phoenix, who dunks it um, quite regularly in the WNBA. I've played with Liz Cambridge, who's a close friend of mine, who obviously can dunk it. So mm. it's just not something that's like, oh, you know, dunk it like at camps and stuff. Kids will oh, dunk it for us. It's like, oh, yeah, that's all well and good. That's fun. But, <laughs> like, you know, we want to make sure we score and win the game too, you know what I mean? So, totally. But, you know, girls can certainly dunk it. But, yes, guys do dunk it more. But it's not um, something that I want to, you know, limit us on because we certainly are becoming more and more prevalent in the dunking realm. Yeah. Coming back to when that moment when you chose basketball as a career rather than netball, I think of, I mean, I could be wrong, but I see netball as a huge women's sport. You know, my sister chose to play netball. Women's netball gets big crowds here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Was that ever playing on your mind that, that netball is a bigger sport for women than basketball? No, not at all. For me, I wanted to be an Olympian. I wanted to play overseas and uh, with netball, there's limitations on that. Um, they, they're not an Olympic sport. They're a Commonwealth sport. Mm. Um, and also, like, I've lived and played overseas in America in the WNBA. I've lived in Hungary. I've lived in France. I've played in the EuroLeague, the Euro Cup. I've experienced um, a lot more on an international scale um, than what I would have if I played netball. Um, I, netball do, have done a great job in the past decade of really, um, you know, bringing crowds in and, and doing really well. I think basketball, we still have a way to go in and where we have, you know, men and women playing the sport um, at a high level. So I know that netball have, you know, a men's competition too, but um, just, yeah, we, we certainly have a long way to go. And netball have done a really great job in engaging their fans for sure. You do play forward centre for the Melbourne Boomers. You've played for the mm-hmm. Dallas Wings in the NBA, uh, WNBA over in mm-hmm. America. Does that mean that you've spent a whole year playing sport? Do you just... Do you ever get a break if you're just travelling around? What does the the year look like if that's your schedule? Mate, I've spent the last 12 years flat straight playing sport. I've not really had much of a break at all. Shouldn't you be due so, for long service leave? Come on. Yeah, well, unfortunately <laughs> for us females, because we don't get paid like the men, we do have to play year round. And um, we do get paid decent amounts of money depending on where you go, what your contract's like, what type of player you are, of course. Um but, yeah, since I was 18, I've gone back to back to back to back to back seasons for 12 years. Um, this year I had about a three-month break, which was the first time in my 12-year career that I'd had a break, and that was right before this boomer season, which was really great. I didn't even realise that I needed it. It was super refreshing. Um, I had a chance to actually miss the game and um, refuel my body and my mind and, and was really excited to come down here uh, and start the preseason here with the boomers. So I hear that and I hear um, that would lead to A, exhaustion, B, financial pressures because you're going and going and going because you need to make more because, you know, men's sport pays better. And yet you're travelling around the world, so there's a sense that where is home a lot of the time. Do do you find that? 
honestly, like living out of a bag is nothing to me. Like I'm okay. so used to packing a bag. I will pack like the night before, like at 11 o'clock at night, just quickly throw th- some things together before a trip, no matter how big it is. Like when I move overseas, I'll do it the day before, pack all my stuff. Like I'm so used to it. And it's this lifestyle isn't for everyone. So, you know, it, it takes resilience. You miss home a lot. You have to deal with another culture, people not speaking English, not understanding, you know, our Aussie ways. Like it's it's tough, but I mean, it's made me the person I am today and I wouldn't, I don't regret any of my experiences. And um, it's certainly, like I said, isn't for everyone and not everyone gets it or understands it. But a lot of people have things to say online at times about all athletes all over the world at every level. But, you know, they're probably just couch potatoes, not doing a lot with their life anyway. But they, <laughs> they would probably never be able to do what we do because it takes, it takes a mindset and um, it's tough. It looks all glamorous at times, but it ain't. It is tough. It's a lot of hard work, sweat, tears, and as cliche as that sounds, um, you know, in the end when you get rewarded, when you win medals or you win a big championship or you play whatever it may be for your you and your goals, like it is so worth it. But I tell you, there are more lows than highs. <laughs> yeah. And I think of you, you know, you're married, you've got a husband, you've got two Huskies as well. Like yeah. You can't just take your Huskies with you away. No, not overseas, unfortunately. I mean, I could. Oh, sorry, Caesar's playing with a squeaky ball right now. Oh, must have known we're husky, talking about. So them. you can hear him trying to squeak the ball. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't take them overseas because I'm not there for for long enough. If I've moved there permanently, then of course I'd take them. But so my um, my mum and my sister look after them when I'm not there, which is so great. Um, without them, it would be extremely tough. Caesar, sorry, <laughs> interrupting the podcast with a squeaky ball. No, it's it's um, added sound effects. I love it. It's good. <laughs> So, um, yeah, but they're, they're currently in Melbourne with me right now, which is great, but usually they're based up in Cairns. Uh, they were in Towns with me when I played for the Towns of Fire as well, so that's obviously a lot closer to Cairns. But, yeah, they weren't with me in Melbourne last year, uh, but they are this year, and, it, and I feel like dogs are just such good therapy. Um, they're just my world. So um, if you're a dog lover, you get it, and if you're not, that's cool. I get it, whatever. But I just love them, and, um, yeah, they're really great to have around. Sometimes they come to training with me and just watch from behind the glass. It's really great. What blows my mind about you, Kayla, is that you, you know, you say you've basically been doing this grind for 12 years without much mm-hmm. of a break at all. And then you're kind of dropping in places. You've been Townsville. You're in Melbourne now. Uh, yeah. You're from South Australia. You, you, you've been over in <laughs> Dallas and Phoenix. It, that, that to me sounds exhausting. But what then it I, is. Then I think about <laughs> the, the, the places you've represented Australia, you know, gold at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. You've represented Australia at the Rio Olympics. You played in the World Cup in Spain. You're training for the 2020 uh, Tokyo Games. Mm-hmm. I have always wondered how nervous you are when you're playing on a platform like the Olympics. You're standing. You've trained so many years for it. You're mm-hmm. there. How do you hold it together when you're performing on a live stage like that? Honestly, I've had to perform under pressure almost my entire life. Um, when I was a junior, I was always the tallest. So I was always expected to get all those easy shots under the basket or all the rebounds because I was the tallest. So there's always been some form of pressure my entire life. So without that pressure for me, it would be strange. Obviously at a higher level and at an Olympics, like that pressure is just enormous. Um, but to be honest, we train so much. And as you get older, um, you, you find ways to um, just remember that that's all muscle memory because you've been doing the hard work you you train like there's a moment that um it brings me back to we were in the semi-final last year in spain um versus the host nation spain we had eight thousand people booing us 
Oh. Um, and I got, a, I got a set of free throws um, with a couple minutes left in the game. That could really help us move, you know, a couple points further past them because um, it was quite a tight contest. And it's the only time in my life I had, like, all the crowd screaming at me. It's the host nation. It's probably the toughest um, card to draw yeah. at an international event if you have to play the host nation um, in a quarter or a semi. So, of course, the semi, we were against Spain, and they're, they're ranked second or third. No, they're third in the world now because we're second. And during my free throws, I literally heard nothing. <sighs> I just completely was able to block it. And I've never been able to do that before, but I've also never been in a situation where I had 8,000 Spanish fans booing me. So, But in that moment, I blocked them all out. So now when I shoot my free throws, I remember that moment, and nothing will ever be as hard as that moment. So my free throws now are a piece of pie. 8,000 people booing. I think that's something that I'd love to do on a future podcast is how do we improve <laughs> the fact that people boo in sport because it is. It's just it's unfair. It's terrible, yeah. Oh. But we're in their country. We're playing their nation. They're just passionate. You can't fault them for that. But um, so honestly, like, you know, my teammate Lizzie, Big Liz Cambridge, she, she loves it when people boo her. So I encourage the booing if, she, if we're playing, you know, a team that's booing us and Lizzie because she loves it. She thrives off that and she plays her best basketball. So good luck if you're going to boo us because... She goes off. Amazing. Look, we're trying to improve live sport on this episode of the podcast. I'd love to ask you, first of all, um, can you recall some of the best sporting games you've seen live as a spectator? Are there certain moments that you just go, oh, that was a really special game to see live? Honestly, when I was reading through the email that you sent me um, last night just about some of the questions that we were going to talk about today, that one... I really couldn't get past because I couldn't think of a time yeah. that I hadn't been involved in a game. Like I just, I, I don't really go watch the men so much, um, the NBL. Uh, I just, I'm always a part of the game. Like people are always coming to watch. So I, I actually can't remember or recall a time. I'm sure I have been at a game, but I can't recall one that was so special to me that I still remember it to this day. Do you know what I mean? That shows you're a hard worker. Right? Yeah. And you're always working to perfect your own game. Yeah, I guess so. To be able to spend just enjoying <laughs> others. Wow. I find that fascinating, yeah. Kayla. As a player on the court, how important is it to you that the stands around you are full? How much does it play into your game? Um, I guess at a home game, I, I love it when our stands are full and the crowd gets loud and, you know, when we score and they, I get pretty hyped on court. I don't know if you've ever watched me play, but I get real hype on court. Yeah. And um, mainly when I score, it's more poker face because like I don't get hyped for myself. But when my teammates score, or if I give them a good pass and they score, I get so hyped. I jump, I, you know, fist bump. I, I just get, even if it's like the first play of the game, like I just, that's just how I play. So when we're at home and the crowd's pumping and um, they're getting hyped with us, and sometimes it doesn't have to be completely full stands, but as long as the crowd's like really into it, like, I love it. And then when you're at away stadiums, um, some stadiums don't get a lot of crowd. Like, some get, you know, quite minimal. Some get a good crowd. Um, but it's, if the stadium is loud and it's enjoyable um, for the for the people that are there watching, I actually, I like it. But it doesn't really bother me when we're away. But at home, it probably bothers me more if there's not so much noise in the crowd. But I feel like at our Boomers games, we're fine. We, we have a great audience that come and support us, so a great fan base. But I do, yeah, when you're on the road, you kind of got to expect anything, so I don't really think about it. And so you get pumped for your teammates. Do they return yeah. the favour for you when you do well? 
Yeah, they certainly do. We've got a really great culture here at the Boomers at the minute. So, um, yeah, we we, uh, we love each other's successes and, and you know, because obviously individual successes equal team success. So yeah. um, we really get hyped for each other. It's really great. That's fantastic. That's the way it should be. That's great culture, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm interested to know because you, you you've played for both the WNBL here in Australia and also WNBA in America. What are the crowds like in those places? What's the difference? Oh well, I mean the population of America is what over two hundred million people, and we've got how many million? Twenty seven, twenty six million people yeah. here, right? So, like in terms of pure numbers, it's it's going to be different. But in the WNBL, I played for the Phoenix Mercury for two years, and they've got a great fan base. Um, and we average like eight to nine thousand people at a regular home game. We play at the same stadium that the Phoenix Suns do, so that's a bigger stadium. And then you go to somewhere like, uh, say, in Dallas, we we played at a college school stadium, which was about a five thousand seater stadium, and we probably filled it around three thousand, four thousand people. So that was a, an okay fan base. Um, and then Minnesota have a really good fan base. LA have a really good fan base. Chicago, you know, not as big as some of the other clubs, but I feel like, you know, mostly for the most part that there's decent following of the WNBA, always needing improvement. But I feel like compared to the WNBA, just out of pure numbers of population in the States. Um, you know, I think in Melbourne, we we get about just under two to two and a half, maybe a, a regular game. And hopefully for finals, we get closer to four. Mm. Um, but yeah, we do. We, we're in the hot pocket of young women playing basketball, young girls playing basketball in the Knox region. I think there's uh, under 18s, there's like 15,000 girls playing basketball in that region. So like we're in a real hot pocket and we, we could utilize that even more to really, you know, bring families out to our, our games because we're right in the, the thick of it. Do you find that that makes up a lot of the crowd, young girls? Um, well, yeah, and their families, and I would mm. hope so because I, I love that they can have us as role models. You know, it's not all about the guys. Um, I've actually started my own program to help develop young girls as well um, on and off the court. I actually just launched it a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you've um, seen it online, but mm. it's just about really helping young girls, you know, um, in the ups and downs and having confidence and what this pro-life is really all about. So that wasn't a plug or anything, but I will just... <laughs> you just can plug. You no, should I mean, yeah, taylorgeorge.com. Nah. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I would like those young girls to be out at our games to see, like, where we are pro athletes, we are women, we are strong, we are fierce, look at us battle and, you know, enjoy the game and strive to be us. That must be an incredibly proud thing for you, just to think that there are young girls coming along, the, the crowds, 2,000, 3,000 people watching you, and you never know who you're going to be inspiring, you know, no, even you through really this podcast, don't. you just yeah, don't exactly. know. Exactly. I love it when I see George um, jerseys, you know, come up to me and ask me to sign or just walking around like that's still, you know, I'm 30 and I've been playing professionally for 12 years and that still to me is like so huge. You know what I mean? Like that's amazing. Mm. I think about live sport and the fact that uh, TV coverage is so good these days. Um, You can Mm -hmm. subscribe to KO and even on free to air, there's a lot of live sport coverage and, and, you know, you don't have to go out, you go home at the couch. Have you found that as live sports got better and better, that getting people along to games has been harder and harder? Um, it's not really something that I've noticed, no. I feel like in Melbourne we do it pretty well, but I also think that, like, you can't, you know, be what you can't see. So if you've got daughters and you're listening to this podcast and you've never been to a WNBL game, like, come along because the atmosphere is so great. And I think people get addicted to that atmosphere. It's not just come and sit and watch a game. It's, you know, and clap when the ball goes in the hoop. It's like it's atmosphere. It's people screaming, cheering. It's us getting pumped on court. Like there's excitement. There's entertainment in the breaks. Like it's a whole vibe, you know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, 
the more that people get engaged with actually coming to games because people make comments and oh women's basketball women's sport well have you been to a game it's so exciting do you know what I mean and then once they come one time they're hooked that mm. happens so many times I've had people come this is my first game I'll be back oh great thank you for coming to this experience because we are a great product and um, it's amazing and of course like in Melbourne winters um, you wanted to snuggle up and watch it on the old KO and that's cool whatever do you think but um, you miss out on that you know that entertainment factor that um, you know the whole atmosphere factor which I think is huge. Now you mentioned a few times in the in the podcast so far the fact that um, men's sport versus women's sport and the fact that for women it's a lot harder because you get paid less. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from you as a player on that and what you hope will happen in the future especially as you kind of you want to nurture that next generation of girls coming into sport do you want to to see this a movement towards equality yep and look i i totally get that you know the revenue for the men is bigger it's higher um they have you know more money because of all of that and i get that there there is that but i would love 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 to continue to you know create ways to to be more on the same level um but like i said the revenue stuff is you know they they make a lot more money um but i still feel like we we can improve in in leaps and bounds in that area um and when i say we don't make as much money as the men we're still doing all right like we we make you know for what we do we're still very fortunate to be able to do this as a job um but I think, you know, it's not even just basketball, like across all sports, the equality thing is an issue and it's getting better. But I think a lot of it is huff and bluff. Like it's, it is getting better, but it's not anywhere near where it needs to be. Um, And where I'm saying where it needs to be, I'm not saying it needs to be equal tomorrow because I know that there needs to be, it's a process to get there and, you know, we need to work at it. But the huff and bluff that maybe the media do that, I'm not sure, but it's still nowhere near where it needs to be. And so what you said, you've been having to go, basically full-time for 12 years to, yeah. uh, to to make ends meet. Is sponsorship an important thing for you as, as a woman in sport? You know, if you're not going to get paid as much as men, you've got to seek your own sponsors and make sure that they're locked in and all that kind of stuff? Um, not really. I guess it depends on the individual. Like I've been really blessed to, to do some work with plush sofas. I've received some sofas. I'm also a temper mattress ambassador. So I've got a, a beautiful temper mattress at home. So there's little things here and there, like, you know, building your brand, building your image to, yeah. you know, to help, um, helps. And you, you know, you get these opportunities to get some really great furniture or in my case, um, you know, I've always been able to, I, uh, I've had some Nike, some Nike gear over the years. I'm not a Nike athlete, but you know, my agent looks after me in that sense. So I am very fortunate, but when you say, um, make ends meet, um, we're not, you know, we're not scraping on our bums over here. We're, we're just, we're just trying to, you know, play while we still can. Mm. Um, you know, and if you're healthy and your, your body feels good, you just go. I mean, sometimes people need a rest and so they rest, but if you're not injured and you can still play. And for me, I love this game. So for me, it wasn't about, oh, I've got to, I mean, yes, of course, an aspect of it is paying the bills, of course. Um, but um, for me, it was like, well, I'm healthy. I love this game. I'm just going to keep playing. So I didn't really think throughout the time, oh, gosh, I'm so tired. I just, for me, it was just like, all right, on to the next season. What's next? Where am I going? What contract am I signing? That was just my mindset. Because, mm. you know, yes, there's bills there. Let's pay them and let's, you know, do the right thing with our money so that when, you know, I do retire, I've got stuff going on. Do you know what I mean? So I've got two businesses and I'm trying to do the right thing early. I'm still not ready to retire at all. The word, that, that R word is not even in my vocab right now. I've only just turned 30. I don't feel 30 and I certainly don't act 30. Um, but I, I certainly, um, yeah, haven't in my last 12 years gone, oh, gosh. Like, I mean, it is tiring, yes, but it's, it's been my lifestyle. I've known nothing different. 
Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. just like on to the next. Where am I going? Oh, I'm. I've been really fortunate to not, you know, um, have any major injuries. So like, I really have been able to play for twelve years back to back to back to back. Do you know what I mean? So and I love the game. So if someone asks me, oh, you want to play here? I'd be like, oh yeah. Like if that's the right fit for me, what's the financial stuff? Yep, cool. Let's sign the contract. Boom. There I'm off. I'm I'm playing. Because I've just got such a passion and a love for this game. And, yes, sometimes it gets really tough. And, and there was one time in my career that um, it was an actual job for me. Because mm. I, I feel so blessed and grateful that I've been able to do this. Because it isn't a job to me. It's just I just play basketball. Mm. Right? But in Hungary, my president wasn't very nice to me for goodness knows what reason. I, I don't. I didn't put anything – you know, I didn't do anything to him. He just – it is what it is. I think I became vegan and he didn't like it because, you know, in Hungary it's all about beef and stews and creamy soups and whatnot. <laughs> so he didn't like that I became a vegan, didn't understand it. He was a bit old school and my team captain wasn't very nice and she wasn't very nice to our younger players. So I just let her know, hey, there's different ways to speak to the young girls. You don't always have to yell at them. And she didn't like me after that. So in that moment in Hungary for like probably the last four months of my season, it was a job. I had to think of it as just a job. It's just a paycheck. Go in, do your job and go home. And that's how I got through my last four months out of a nine month stint in Hungary, which was tough. And that's the only time in my career that I felt that basketball was a job. Do you find it though? So I'm also conscious that like as a as a sporting player, you need to rest. Like as a professional athlete, you need to rest and look after yourself. Do you find it hard mm-hmm. to stop playing because you love it so much? We certainly get good downtime. Uh, I mean, if you've got a smart coach, they they manage play as well. Yeah. So for example, um, with the Opals, we recently just got back from Kuala Lumpur, and then we had two or three days at home. And we also had four New Zealand girls go as well. And our coach, who's an Aussie guy, Malloy, he actually coaches the New Zealand team too. And they went to New Zealand for their round of games. Okay. So we all got back. We had two and a half days at home and then we had to go on a two-day road trip. So we couldn't um, really have much rest because we had to come straight back into the boomers dynamic. And we had, you know, Adelaide on the road. Then I had to fly back and then drive out to Bendigo on the road. And so then when we got back, um, we had a good day off. And then we had to get ready for our game against Sydney. Uh, and so that was Sydney on the Saturday. Then we had Sunday off. And then on the Sunday night, our coach messaged us and said, hey, tomorrow morning training's off. We need to get well rested. We've got a big double this weekend, like a double header. Uh, we've got um, the Southside Flyers and Perth. So he gave us that extra day off, seeing how, you know, we had been playing good basketball. We all kind of tune in. Um, he just wants to rest us, you know, because it's been a big few weeks for a lot of us. Um, and so that's just smart management, right? So then we come into training on Tuesday, feeling more fresh. And now we've, it's Wednesday and we have another day off court. So we just had, or I had weights this morning. So um, it's really like about what your body needs, what you, you, you know, what your body can handle. Um, and if you're feeling fatigued and especially for someone like in, I say my age, I guess I can use the age card when I feel necessary, but I don't really need it. Mm. Um, but, you know, the coach manages me quite well. If I play big minutes on the weekend, he'll pull me out of training and just make sure that I'm staying fresh. So um, I've been really fortunate to have some great coaches that do look after me. And um, I, I usually try and have a really great relationship with them off the court too, so that we can, you know, talk about if I do need extra rest or, or, or whatnot. So it's just about good body management. I'm glad to hear that. Mm. Um, Kayla, what, what do you think the biggest challenges are to live sport? Um, well, that's a question, isn't it? I guess getting people out to the game, um, like what's in it for them if they're coming there, but then it's just about experiencing the atmosphere, but then what's enticing them to come to the game. Um, I guess these days it's all about how you portray it in the media and how we are as a team and how we represent ourselves out there. And 
on our socials and, and things like that for people to be like, hey, I want to go watch that girl. She plays for this team and, and, and so on and so forth. Is there a sense that a full stadium means better opportunity for income for you and your teammates? I mean, it certainly makes better money for the club. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, our contracts are set. So, mm-hmm. you know, during unless it's for the following years, you know what I mean? But you, we focus on the process for this year. We don't really stay concerned with, like, what's coming up ahead. But, um, well, I do anyway. I, I go week by week, to be quite honest with you, because there's so much going on in my life. So I've yeah. got to just go week by week. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like that's, you know, like I mentioned before, people that um, haven't been to a game and haven't experienced uh, a female basketball game, a WNBL game, like go out and, and check it out. Like us at the Boomers, we, we have a great atmosphere. And I feel like I said to you before, people come up to me and say, oh, this is my first game. I'm definitely coming back, blah, blah, blah. So like there's always – I've never heard someone say this was boring. Like yes. um, this is terrible. Like no one has ever said that to me, to my face. <laughs> Maybe I'm too scary. But <laughs> no, we, we sit after the game. We sit for 30 minutes after the game and sign autographs. We meet fans. We take photos. We are so interactive and not a lot of sports do that. I don't even think the NBL do that. So there's a fair few clubs in the WNBL that will sit, line up chairs, have Sharpies ready, you come with whatever you want signed and you take as many photos as you want of all the players and we just sit there straight after a game. We stretch down and then spend 30 minutes with the fans in interacting. So if that doesn't entice you, then I don't know what will, because you literally get to interact with pro athletes that have just played a game. And that, I guess, leads us to the, the, to the big question that I ask over these podcasts, and that's what shall we do about? What shall we do about live sport? Do you think that that's what all codes and sports should adopt, that interaction with the players? Well, I think it's important, that too, but I feel like for female sports, and I'll always vouch for female sports because obviously male sports get all the media attention, so I'm not going to talk about them at all, but um, female sports, you can't be what you can't see. So put us on TV, put us on free to air, we're on Foxtel, but not everyone has Foxtel. And then the streaming's been, there's been issues with the streaming this year, but, you know, at least it's better than nothing, but, like, you cannot be what you cannot see. And so for these young girls, if you can't get to a, a TV that has it available on it and you can't get out to a game, how are they meant to know, you know, what they're missing out on? So um, I feel like just more media exposure. Like, you know, we barely, in Townsville um, and in Bendigo, the media exposure is great. Smaller communities, you know, there's media every week. We're in the paper every week. But here in Melbourne, we're lucky if we get two or three articles in the Herald Sun um, for a season. So um, there's ways to go in that. And I guess, you know, it is all about the footy and the rugby and the cricket or whatever season it is for the, for the paper. But, you know, it'd be really lovely if we could just get the same exposure um, because you cannot be what you cannot see. So, you know, that's my message. And I love that. That's fantastic. You can't be what you can't see. Kayla George, all the best as you continue you. to play for the Boomers, but also training for Tokyo. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's going to be fantastic. Can't wait to cheer you on from my television. I'm not going to Japan. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) My thanks to Kayla George, who is on Twitter at KaylaGeorge22, on Instagram at CFrannyKG, and also online at KaylaGeorge.com. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I would love for you to subscribe if you haven't already and even rate and review the show if you enjoyed it. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Square Eyes, and this show is on Instagram and Facebook at What Shall We Do Pod. What Shall We Do About is hosted and produced by me, Sam Robinson, with production support from Ali Barnes and original theme music by Chad Gardner. See you next time.